Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Synergy and Leadership Podcast. For those of you who are listening for the first time, my name is Julian Carl and I'm CEO and co-founder of Synergy Group. I'm passionate about all things leadership and management, so passionate in fact that I decided to start a podcast about it and here we are in season two and my purpose for the podcast continues to be the same, to raise the standard of leadership. In today's show, I introduce some content around the idea of emotional intelligence, this idea of the awareness of self. This is the third content episode for season two, and it's also the third content episode of our Synergen curriculum ecosystem. Emotional intelligence is becoming more and more accepted as a critical component of effective leadership and management. And today's episode, we're going to look at how we can work towards being more aware of ourselves and the impact this can have on others. During the episode, I introduced a process call from Trigger to Impact and how this can lead us to better understand ourselves. I also make some distinctions between self-awareness and self-management. I weave in the value of exploring your emotional strengths and weaknesses. And I finish up the episode with the idea of the 360-degree review and how they can be a valuable contributor to your own self-development. So keep listening and, as always, would really like to hear your thoughts about emotional intelligence, awareness of self, And if there is any leadership or management idea or content that you would like me to explore on the show, please send me through an email, LinkedIn message. Now, on with the show. Happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian returns in 2019 with weekly conversations with leaders and authors from Australia and around the world, giving you the opportunity to share in their journey and learn from their expertise and knowledge. Julian also shares some of the tools and techniques he uses as a leader, mentor, and facilitator, helping you to build your leadership capability and improve your confidence as a leader. Well, it's great to be back to deliver another content episode for you, and we're really this year focusing on making sure that all our content episodes are linked to some of the content that we Uh, doing in terms of the face-to-face training that we're doing with our client base and all of that is starting to really form the basis of our curriculum ecosystem and we're really starting to get some some traction with that and I think what I'd like you to think about too is that we're going to be starting to shoot a whole lot of videos to match uh, some of this content that we've been doing. So today is the first of a two-part episode, for a better phrase, because emotional intelligence, it's a big topic. And we thought we'd want to, the way we've broken it down into when we deliver this topic face-to-face is we break it down into awareness of self and awareness of others. And I thought it made perfect sense to do that from a, a podcast perspective as well. So I wanted to just give you a little bit of background on this idea of emotional intelligence for those of you that aren't familiar with the topic extends back quite far to include authors such as Howard Gardner, who spoke about this idea of intrapersonal intelligence in his 1983 book, Frames of Mind, The Theory of Multiple Intelligences. In 1990, there was another book called Introducing Neurolinguistic Programming by Joseph O'Connor and John Seymour and stated that emotions make excellent servants but tyrannical masters. There was also a paper that was published in 1990 called Emotional Intelligence by John D. Mayer and Peter Salvey, where they formulated their theory of emotional intelligence and quoted a quote from the first century BC who stated, rule your emotions lest they rule you. 
And so all of that is just a little bit of background into where it probably really started being picked up from a commercial point of view and from an organisational point of view, which was Daniel Goleman's book, Emotional Intelligence, which was published in 1995. So it's been around a while, this idea. And Goldman's book brought the concept to a broader readership and it gained the attention of the business world looking for ways to create better leaders and drive business outcomes. And in our experience, more and more leaders are starting to pick up on that. So what emotional intelligence, sometimes abbreviated down to EI, is uh, used for, it's really to describe the ability to recognize, understand, utilize and regulate emotions effectively. EI is the capacity to reason about your emotions to enhance your thought. And it's this idea of being able to apply rational thought to your emotions and how that gives you power over your emotions so you can better manage them rather than having your emotions control you. So sometimes emotions are classified into strengths or weaknesses, but they can also be thought of in terms of being helpful or not really helpful in a particular situation. So, for example, you might feel frustrated with a piece of equipment. You might be tempted to throw it out the window. It's generally not very helpful. But if you stop and think about your frustration, you may use that frustration to motivate yourself to design a new piece of equipment or find a new way of completing a task or delegating to someone who knows what they are doing. So it's really just about this idea of starting to pick up on what's going on for you, starting to understand it, and starting to think about how you can choose to respond rather than actually react. Now, the thing I like about this particular body of work with emotional intelligence is it's very applicable in our personal lives. It certainly just doesn't fit in our professional lives as leaders, and I think that's a really useful uh, point to, to focus in on because we all have situations in our personal lives with our family, our friends, where sometimes emotions get the better of us. And I think we can all probably remember a time when we've made a decision in a highly emotional state and it's probably been, in hindsight, not really the best decision that we've ever made. So before we look more deeply into the specific domains and competencies of emotional intelligence, it is helpful to examine what happens when you experience your emotions. And this is something where I want to start off by introducing this idea of from trigger to impact. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage you to have a pen and piece of paper handy as we go through this, because I'm going to try and illustrate the particular flow, particular process that happens when uh, in this situation. So let me give you an example. Essentially what happens is there is an external trigger which occurs, which has been generally built into us, experienced at us for a young age or an impressionable age or an impressionable time. And what that external trigger does is it triggers an emotion. And that emotion being whatever it is, whether it be happiness, sadness, fear, grief, doesn't matter, but that external trigger sets off an emotion. And when you're in those emotions, that leads you to have certain thoughts you're thinking about it, you're experiencing it right in the middle of it. Now, during those thoughts, they generally lead you to some form of decision. Now, remember, this can be happening very, very quickly. This isn't necessarily a, a long, thought-out process. So you have it, your thoughts lead you to a decision. Those decisions lead you to a behavior. Those behaviors play out and turn into actions. Those actions then lead to an outcome. And that outcome can potentially have big impacts on others. 
And so what I'd like you to do in terms of the pen and the paper is there's eight parts to this, and I'd like you to just start at the top of your piece of paper and just go down in order. It's probably the simplest way to do it. Write down external trigger. Write down emotion. Write down thoughts. Write down decision. Write down behavior. Write down action. Write down outcome. And write down impact on others. So now that you've done that, I'd like you to actually walk through the process. Now, if you're listening to this uh, podcast in the car, it's going to probably be a little bit difficult. Uh, but if you are listening to it somewhere else, I'd like you to potentially pause the podcast just for a, for a couple of minutes or so and actually just try to look at it from this perspective. You've got those eight words written down the left-hand side of your page. I'd like you to try to look at it from a positive perspective or, for example, a helpful emotion or a negative emotion, which obviously is not so happy. So I think it's always very useful to give you uh, an example of these type of things. And, you know, I suppose as, as a person that facilitates emotional intelligence, I probably need to be uh, lead the way and be comfortable with sharing uh, with you. So I'm going to uh, use a, a personal experience here just so you can get a sense of, of how this works. So I have an external trigger which is related to the idea of bullying, okay? Now, bullying for me is unacceptable in any, any circumstance, whether it be personal lives or professional, but I've, I've realized that there is an external trigger for me which is bullying. Now, the emotion that this brings up for me is this idea of rage, that someone could feel as though they could or entitled to bully someone else that always then leads me to thoughts now my thoughts now that i'm a little bit more experienced are probably a little bit more rational and i think about well what can i do to impact people that are bullying how can i encourage people not to be bullying how can i encourage people to you know identify bullying behaviors so these are the types of thoughts that i think and that they will lead me to a decision and the decision is, number one, that under no circumstances am I ever going to fall into the category of being a bully. It's the decision that if I see bullying behavior, I'm going to call that out. So the behaviors that leads to is that I share with people that my view on bullying, I make sure that people believe that and see that I know that it's never acceptable and that it's something that I'm very passionate about. And I think, you know, for, for any parents listening to this, I think it's a, very easy to become passionate about something when you can apply it to your children. So for me, it's I've obviously applied it to, to, to my kids. And so with this behavior, I'm going to make sure that I behave in a certain way. So the actions that I think this is going to lead me to, well, you know, I'm, I have two young children and so I'll be talking to the school about what their bullying policies, procedures are. I'll be educating my kids about what to do when confronted by bullies, if they are confronted by bullies. Now, my outcome for all this is hopefully that my children never get bullied and if they do get bullied, that we're able to very quickly uh, stop it, nip it in the bud and deal with it in a, in a calm and, and professional way. The impact that has on others, well, I like to think that that sets a, a good impact for those around me in terms of let, let, let's call it, out, call it out, let's not accept it, let's, let's do something about it. And so I think that's, that's an example of how 
you know, we can start to work through this process. And I think there's also one thing if you really feel comfortable about going deep, and that is the idea of actually going back to that very start and identifying where those external triggers come from. So I've done that. And so the external trigger for me comes from two individuals by the name of Daniel and Sean. Now, when I was a young uh, boy, I was actually very tall, uh, but I'm actually, I was actually quite quiet. And uh, so one of the things that happened to me that I was bullied quite severely by Daniel and Sean. And that has stuck with me. That has resonated with me, obviously. Now, if you had asked me in times where I'm not being able to process this so calmly and rationally, and I went through those same eight sort of steps of the process, it would be very different because I'd be much more highly strung, much more emotional. And if you're much more emotional, you may not be making the right decisions, which is going to lead to behaviors and actions and so forth. So I do want to encourage you that if you are able to identify an external trigger, something that sets you off positive or negative, I would like you to try to dig a little deeper and, and try to understand why you have that external trigger. I just think it is a useful experience to go through. It can be quite challenging, but it's really, really useful and really powerful. And if you can start to do that for yourself, well, then you're also able to start to guide others through that journey. And I think as a leader, that's uh, an important aspect of leadership, being able to understand why people are the way they are. But it starts with yourself first. It starts with yourself first. So that's the first little activity that I would like you to, to work through in terms of this whole idea of emotional intelligence, awareness of self. So I do want to introduce to you what are called the domains of emotional intelligence. And look, Daniel Goleman himself is often a little fluid in terms of how many domains there are. So for the purposes of this one, we're going to talk about the four domains. Occasionally, he talks about in different papers, if you do the research, he talks about a fifth one, motivation. But I think let's let's start with the, the, the big four. So I'd like you to imagine a quadrant. So in other words, you know, quadrant, four, four boxes. And on the left-hand side, we have the, the header, which is self. And that idea is broken down into two parts. It's broken down to this idea of self-awareness. And then this also this idea of self-management. So self-awareness is the idea that you know your internal self, that you know where stuff comes from, that you're aware when things are happening to you. And it's, it's sometimes easier than others. So some emotions are very, very are much more powerful than others, and, and some are really easy to identify when you are in them. Uh, grief, as an example, someone close to us is, is, is passes or is having uh, going through some trouble, we're, we're able to experience grief and, and recognize it quite easily. But there's other emotions that sometimes we don't recognize quite as easily. So it's about knowing your internal self. And it's really broken down to three sections, which is emotional awareness, which is recognizing your emotions and their effects they have on you. This idea of self-assessment, which is really understanding and knowing your strengths and your limits. And it's also this idea of self-confidence, which is having a strong, strong sense of your own self-worth and the capabilities that you have. So they all, those three sort of key topics fit within this idea of self-awareness. 
In this idea of self-management, we tend to have six key things that we look at. The first is this idea of emotional self-control. And this is where we're able to keep disruptive emotions and impulses in check. And, you know, a simple one from a professional perspective is you might get extremely frustrated with a colleague around you. Now, if you react to that level of frustration, you might say something to your colleague which is not going to support or help or fix the situation. But if you're able to keep your emotions in, in check and, and maybe talk through what makes you so frustrated rather than acting out, you might have a better outcome. The second part of self-management is this idea of transparency, where this is where you maintain your own level of integrity and you're acting congruently with your own values. Third key topic here is this idea of adaptability, which is flexibility in handling change. And what we know is that change is happening faster and faster in ways that sometimes are anticipated and sometimes are not. And so how adaptable are we, how flexible are we, and how comfortable are we in handling change? There's this idea of achievement, which is the fourth key topic here in self-management, which is striving to improve or meeting a standard of excellence, which is quite often the one that you set for yourself. People that have been through my rooms and my training programs will always know that I talk about this idea of raising your standard, being the best you can be, just improving just that one little bit. Fifth area of self-management is initiative, which is this idea that you're ready to act when opportunities are thrown your way. And from a career perspective, this is where the role comes up and you think you might not be ready for it, but you put your hand up for it and you get in there and you have a go. It's taking an opportunity. And the final part of this idea, quadrant of self-management, is this idea of optimism. So you keep persisting in pursuing the goals that you're trying to achieve despite any obstacles that get in your way or despite any setbacks that get in your way. And so they're the only two domains that we're going to sort of, you know, talk about in, in this episode. The other two domains we're going, to, we're going to talk about in the second part of this, which is uh, awareness of others. And I'd just like you to be thinking about where do you think you're stronger? Where do you think you're weaker? You know, where do you think your emotional strengths lie? And if you are able to identify your emotional strengths, why do you have them in that way? And likewise, I'd like you to think about your weaknesses as well. Why do you have emotional weaknesses in certain ways? Where do they come from? Because this whole journey of emotional intelligence is about looking deep. And sometimes for us, that is not comfortable. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I was running this this program uh, literally two weeks ago with one of our clients where we spent a day talking about emotional intelligence and it was quite evident that things were starting to come up for people. Things were starting to, you know, to be remembered, to be relived and that wasn't always easy for people. Sometimes people had to, to stop and say, you know what, I need to just, you know, stop for a minute and, and think about this or... For some people, it's about, you know, they don't want to go back and relive and, and re-experience because for them it was stuff's happened and they don't, don't want to go back there. So the whole journey of emotional intelligence is, is can be a challenging one. And I, I do want to give you this point, which is you don't suddenly wake up one day after doing some emotional intelligence training or certification or whatever it is 
and give yourself an emotional intelligence trophy, saying that you are suddenly now emotionally intelligent. Because I'm pretty sure you haven't been in every possible environment, every possible scenario, and have every possible thing happen to you. So you don't always know how you're going to react. You may know where you've gone through the same experience of number of times. You may know how you emotionally react in that. And I'll use, for example, public speaking. Some people know that one of the emotional reactions they get about public speaking is anxiety. And you may know that every time you're, you're required to speak in public that you have this sense of anxiety. So you may know that. You may be able to manage that. So you have both the awareness and the management piece. But you never, you never know what else might trigger off anxiety. It might be a different experience. It might be a different environment. So you don't suddenly have a trophy. You just It's a journey. It's ongoing. It's, it's taking stock of all the experiences that you have. It's starting to reflect back. It's putting the pieces together. It's about understanding them. So I do want want to make sure that that idea is, that I'm clear on that, is that this is a journey. It is certainly not an outcome. It is certainly not a place that you get to and you can just stop. So I mentioned before this idea of emotional strengths and weaknesses. And one thing I would like you to do, again, if you're in the car, it's going to be a bit difficult. But if you're on the train or at your, uh, you're at home or wherever you may be listening to this podcast, is just draw another little, get another piece of paper out. And I'd like you to, you know, draw a table, you know, so two columns. On one side, I'd like you to put strengths. On the other side, I'd like you to put uh, weakness. And I'd like you to just think about it from this point of view. List any emotional strengths that you have. And I'd like you to ask these three questions. So I'm a big believer that, Questions are a way that we get to points of understanding. Questions are a way that we can start to really understand ourselves. And the first question I want you to ask yourself about any strength that you've identified for yourself is why do you believe it is a strength? What's leading you to that conclusion? What evidence do you have? Second question I'd like you to ask yourself is how are you demonstrating that emotional strength? You know, are you the person that people are always coming to because when they've got in highly charged environments, that you're the one that's always calm under pressure? So how is it demonstrated? And the third question I'd like you to ask is this idea about how you're going to capitalize or use this strength for the greater good. So remember, I'm a big believer that as, as, as leaders, we have access to tools and resources and models and frameworks, and we can use those things to the betterment of our teams, the betterments of ourselves. And in my rooms, I'll often talk about the idea of use these ideas for good, not for evil. So I'd like you to think about it from that perspective. How can you use this strength for good? So then that's on one column. On the other side, where you put weaknesses, I'd like you to ask these three questions. What do you believe is your weaknesses? So why? What are they? Why do you have those particular weaknesses? I'd like you to be thinking about how do those weaknesses be demonstrated? How do you demonstrate those weaknesses? Is it that when the pressure's on and you don't have the resources that you need to be, that you start to feel anxious, you start to feel disengaged, how is it demonstrated and that impacts your work or maybe it gets overwhelming and it becomes leads to absenteeism or, or sick leave, whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but how is it demonstrated? 
then third question here is how are you going to avoid the negative impact of this because they can lead to negative impacts if you're getting constantly frustrated and you're taking time off for an example there's a big potential negative impact in that you know there there may end up being conversation about your employment status and i think that's something you want so it's really about this idea of how can you avoid the negative impacts of these weaknesses and again this is a this is a really useful exercise and potentially a really challenging exercise because quite often we don't want to acknowledge what our strengths are and quite often we find it difficult to understand where they come from and why we have them and the same with weaknesses why do we have them where have they come from and then what evidence do we have to back up our view our understanding so it's really interesting when you start to dig deep that all sorts of things are going to come up for you now i don't know what's going to come up for you i know what comes up for me when i start digging and looking at all these things the one thing i do fundamentally believe is it's going to make me a better leader it's going to make me better equipped to deal with whatever challenges are coming my way because i've taken the time to try to understand my strengths and weaknesses and i look at how i can capitalize on my strengths and then i tend to look at how can i mitigate my weaknesses how can i reduce the negative impact of those so again it's a really useful way of just starting to you know turn the camera on yourself turn the lens on yourself and have a bit of a look and see what you find in terms of this idea of self awareness and self management now one of the one of the things that we often do when we we talk about emotional intelligence is this idea of feedback this idea of looking to get some sort of insight from the feedback of others and this can be really really useful and in business land they're very much called 360 degree assessments or 360 degree feedback processes all different types of language but they're still the same thing is that essentially uh people around you close to you who should have some sense of you are asked to provide a level of commentary against a predetermined set of questions so i'm a big believer in 360s but i'm also going to put the caveat on they need to be done in the right way they need to be done by uh generally uh people that are uh, well experienced in that type of of process and quite often that will mean external parties to the business where you work uh you can do them internally but i think they they just need to be managed then if they are by most likely the hr or people and culture side or division within the business generally they're the ones that are charged with looking after these types of things and 360 degree feedback can be really insightful because it allows you to get a sense of what other people are thinking about you what their experience of you is and sometimes that's challenging because you might think that you're you know performing in a certain way behaving in a certain way acting in a certain way and then all of a sudden you read a comment on 360 and suddenly you're challenged and i think that's a good thing so a couple of things to to think about when you start on this idea of feedback first is you know what's your motivation for asking for feedback you know what do you really want to achieve out of it how are you going to respond if the feedback indicates that improvement is needed this is an interesting one because we all you know do we like to hear positive feedback generally most people do how do we react though when we hear negative feedback especially if it's something where you think you're doing okay with 
how are you going to respond? Are you just going to say, oh, that person doesn't know me well or that's all right because I was in that environment, that's how I reacted, or you're actually going to stop, think about it, try and take it on board. And this is why it's important that these are administered in the right way because if you believe that someone is giving you feedback for the right reasons, you're far more likely to actually take it on board. So a couple of the things that we should be thinking about uh, with the 360s are things such as who should be included in it, and quite often it's the people that you report to, it's those who report to you, it's the colleagues and peers, occasionally it's your suppliers, might even be your customers. Again, do this the right way, get the right people involved. And look, rating scores are, are always interesting as well. You know, what, what's sort of the, the rating model that, that you can use? And so what we decided to do is whilst we are not advocates of any one particular 360-degree assessment uh, process or model or organisational provider, we agree in principle. So we, we ask during our uh, emotional intelligence program, we ask people to think about it from the perspective of, What's their ability like against a certain set of questions? And what's the frequency like against those certain sort of questions? And what that does is it gives you two contrasting scores. Because if you're really, really good at something, but you're never really required to do it, how beneficial is it? How useful is it to the business? How useful is it to you? where if you're required to do something all the time and you're not very strong at it, that can be having some big impact. So you need to get your ability up quite quickly. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a little bit of a example of, of some of the types of things you can do as part of a 360. Now, this little activity is straight from our written resource. Uh, on emotional intelligence so if you are interested in this please feel free to email me directly julian at syngengroup.com.au and i'm more than happy to to send it through to you because what it does it's, it just talks about this idea of emotion coaching so these are just some of the, the questions that we encourage people to think about and we ask them to score themselves on a, a, a rating so the rating scale is that you know you're for example in frequency we go from one to seven so seven is always and when it comes to ability a seven is outstanding and then there's all these scores in between so again i'm not going to ask you to do that as you're listening but i just want to give you a sense of some of the things that we ask in this in this section called emotion coaching so we ask people to think about their ability to help others develop their emotional capabilities by direct intervention and example. So in other words, how do they go about building rapport with others? How do they go about communicating their own feelings to others? How do they go about encouraging enthusiasm in others? How do they go about offering help and assistance to others when appropriate? Do they lead by example? Are they a role model? How do they go about making and maintaining personal friendships with work colleagues? And this is a whole conversation itself. Where is the lines? Where are the boundaries? Because one of the things which social media has changed are the boundaries in terms of how people view relationships. 
How do you go about managing conflict and emotion? Do you always model respect, helpfulness, honesty, and cooperation? Are you always painting a positive picture of the future that the people around you, the people in your teams can buy into? Do you promote a friendly and open cooperative climate? Do you raise morale of others and that makes them feel good? And do you have the ability to sense others' emotions and respond accordingly? So what they are, they're just some sample questions that we ask people to think about and then score themselves on the rating from one to seven, first being about how often do they do those things in terms of frequency, but importantly, what's their ability levels at, at those, each of those. Now, what that does ends up, you end up with some scores. That enables you to then explore. For example, if you find it difficult to communicate your own feelings to others, just as an example, the rating will obviously show low, that you don't rate yourself very highly in terms of your ability and you don't rate yourself very highly in terms of your frequency at communicating your own feelings. So that, that's useful only if you explore it and understand the why. So why don't you communicate your own feelings to others? Is it that you're embarrassed? Is it that you're ashamed? Is it that you don't feel comfortable because you're new to the team? There could be a whole range of reasons. But it's this understanding of self which is what this is all about. And what this 360-degree review sample question set does is just allow you to explore that just a little bit more and understand the why. Take some time, understand the why, and I think what will happen is you'll end up being a better leader for it. So that pretty much wraps up because I don't want to go through the entire question set for, for, for the materials that we use in, in, in our workshop. I think that, you know, it not necessarily translates perfectly to, to, the, to the podcast format. But I think hopefully what we've done so far is just give you a bit of a sense of some of the things that you should explore if you really want to develop your level of emotional intelligence and you want to get the best out of your team because without doubt, Emotional intelligence is becoming a big, big, big contributor to success people have with their teams. So on that note, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up. I think that's given you enough to start the journey on exploring yourself and really starting to get a sense of why you are the way you are. And like I said before, you don't suddenly get a trophy. Uh, it is a journey. It is something that you'll always be developing because you're always going to be put in new experiences, new environments, new people, okay? So on that note, once again, always love to hear what you think. Uh, if you did want a copy of the materials, again, happy to send it through to you. Uh, so bye for now. Well, that wraps up episode 62 of the Synergen Leadership Podcast, another curriculum ecosystem content episode for you. I'd like to encourage you to head on over to the Synergen Group website and engage in the conversation with us. Tell us what you liked about the episode. Tell us who you'd like us to interview or tell us what sort of content you'd like us to deliver. And if you are an iPhone user, please feel free to head over to the Apple site and leave us a review. In next week's episode, I speak with Dr. Karen Morley, who is the author of Lead Like a Coach, How to Get the Most Out of Any Team. It's another great author interview. And until then, love to hear what you think. Happy listening.